Vampires and Slayers, this is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. Which means tonight, much as we may not want to, we're talking about where the wild things are. Is this one of the top five worst Buffy episodes ever? No. But... It's not very good. It's kind of just a, I mean, I feel like I could talk about it for about five minutes and we could just be done. <laughs> so, hey, maybe we'll talk about other stuff too tonight. Let's let's just go ahead and start talking and see what happens. Um, I'll set the scene for you guys just because I like to do that. Um, Remember back in the day whenever it wasn't quarantines and I used to like complain about the fact that I, I had to wait until like 10 o'clock at night to start recording because um, I had to work all day and you know, whatever. I Now that I'm in quarantines and I have all fucking day, I could do it at any time. Guess what time it is right now? 9.58. 9.59. Just changed. Um... I'm not exhausted when I start now, but I do still wait until nighttime because it's like, I don't know, it just feels weird to sit around and talk about Buffy. I don't even like to really watch Buffy during the daytime. I'm very like, I'm very like that with a lot of things. Like I have very specific times in my head that I think are appropriate for certain things. <laughs> like for example, um, I had this thing with Star Trek. It's one of my favorite shows. Um, mostly next generation, but I only want to watch it right before bed. I want to watch one episode at a time. I don't binge watch Star Trek. One episode right before bed. And at any other time, it doesn't feel right and I won't do it. <laughs> I don't know why. How many candles do I have lit today? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five and one that's like one of those little LED candle things that's not a real candle, so it shouldn't really count, but, you know, there you go. <laughs> um, so how are you guys? How are things? Um, I still don't really know what's going on with, like, when I'll be going back to work. I think I mentioned last week that we were planning to go back. Today would have been my first day back, but the board met... Um, the library board met on Monday and they decided that um, basically they're being very vague, which makes me think that we won't actually go back on this particular day. But basically they just told us like, be ready to go back to work on May 4th, which would be, which will be next Monday. Um, but they haven't made a schedule and they told us we're going to be opening in phases. So I don't think we're going to be like, open to the public immediately, but I don't know exactly what the phases are going to look like. Like, I'm hoping that we're going to kind of like be a curbside library through the summer or something. I don't know. Like people 
call us and let us know what they want and we go get it and check it out to them and then bring it out to their car. Like, <laughs> I would really enjoy that. Or if we could start like delivering books to people, I would love that so much. If I got to spend the summer like delivering books to people's houses, I would love that so much. I mean, I doubt that's how it's going to play out, but it would be really cool if that's the way that it worked. Um, anyway, I'm, you know, I'm game for whatever we need to do. Like, I think libraries are important. I'm glad I work at a library. Um, it's just tricky figuring out how to move forward, you know? Um, we've all just sort of worldwide, a lot of people have just been in this a place of stasis and like how do we figure out how to ease back in um is it time to ease back in seems like maybe it's not so it's it's a very strange space that we're all in um obviously you know i don't i don't need to tell you that you guys are there you guys are in this strange space with me if you're listening if you're listening in spring 2020 if you're from the future hey that's cool that's cool. Like, I kind of wish I was there right now. <laughs> like, I feel like we're learning a lot of great lessons about humanity, but, and I feel like there's going to be good things that come out of this whole situation, but I also kind of want to fast forward to that time and just be like, okay, we've now learned the lessons and we're in the future now. <laughs> I'm kind of ready for that, but I, I'm not ready for it at the same time. Like, Every time the board meets and the time gets extended, I'm relieved because I'm having a little too much fun not having to work. Like, what? I'm, I'm sure a lot of people at, are in the same boat where, like, we've been lucky enough that um, our situations are pretty great. Like, my home life is good. Um... I have enough space in my house to feel like, plus I'm an introvert, so I'm equipped to um, cope with this particular situation and and it's working out okay. And so far it's been a gorgeous spring and like a lot of myself, like a lot of other people are probably in a situation right now where it's like, I have never in my adult life had this much time off. I have been off work for... Let's see, I think my first official day off work was like the 21st of March or something. So it's been over a month and I've, I've gotten into a certain groove. I've been doing a lot of tarot readings. So if you guys are interested, um, all my readings are still 50% off. As long as I'm in quarantines, I'm going to keep extending that sale. So, um, basically every half hour tarot reading is 1250 and every hour tarot reading is 20 bucks. I'm also doing like a weekly giveaway as well on my um, Instagram. So it's for an hour reading. And basically all you have to do is guess, like I pick three cards from a deck and then you guess what the first card is. And if somebody guesses the first card, um, they win immediately. Um, if not, then, you know, we go from there. But, um, so yeah, if you're interested in that, um, it's ending, the current giveaway is ending Sunday, 1159 PM Central Daylight 
time. So Sunday the 26th. Um, and I plan to do that probably weekly. I'll probably do a weekly giveaway. So if you miss out on that one, check around like Tuesday or Wednesday. I'll probably, if I'm going to post a giveaway for the following week or for that week, then it'll be posted by then. The only way that I won't do that is if, if I get a bunch of orders on my Etsy and I just don't really have time to do a free reading. Um, but I mean, that's unlikely that I would get so many right now. Um, yeah. Anyway, so if you're interested in that, my Instagram is Mixtress Ray. Um, also, you can just follow me if you feel like it. Um, and then the um, if you're interested in just ordering a reading for my Etsy, it's Etsy. I guess you can just go to Etsy and search for the shop name Mixtress Tarot. Okay, so now that we've talked about everything other than what we need to be talking about, which is where the wild things are, let's go. Gentle reminder, or it's not a gentle reminder, just, you know, for context, context reminder. Um, if we were talking about Angel at the same time, like our original plan, like we usually do, I would be talking about 5x5 five five tonight. So... In retrospect, I really could have done it this way, but I didn't know that I was still going to be off work, number one. Um, I also, um, I mean, I remembered this episode as being pretty blah, but I didn't remember how blah. <laughs> like, it really honestly could have been, we talk about where the wild things are for like 10 minutes, and then we talk about Angel 5x5 five five the rest of the time. But whatever, retrospect, you know, hindsight, 2020, all that shit. So... It is time for our let's get through this shot. I am nearing the end of my last bottle of Evan Williams. I don't think I told, I had to, I started re-recording the episode last week and I think I recorded over. So I don't think I told you. So um, forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but one of the things I've learned during quarantines is that um, I'm no longer, I'm no longer available for cheap whiskey. <laughs> I, which is not entirely true because in the future, if I'm, you know, getting groceries and it's time for me to buy a new bottle of whiskey, which happens about every two or three weeks, um, I will still buy the cheap stuff if it's all I have. But for the foreseeable future, I have decided to treat myself. And from now on, only buy my favorite whiskeys, which are Maker's Mark and Buffalo Trace. Just in case you wanted to know that information. Um, so I'm at the very end of my last bottle of Evan Williams for the foreseeable future. Not that there's anything wrong with Evan Williams. It's $12. It's decent. It's not terrible. But it's definitely not as good as like $25 whiskey. So... I've just decided to, from now on, I'm going to value myself enough to get the $25 whiskey. So <laughs> it's like life is just too short or something. I mean, it's not, but it, yeah, I don't know. It's a stupid, stupid story. I'm sorry. I bored you with that. Okay. Let me, oh, I don't have my, I need my LaCroix. All right. Here we go taking the shot out of the cactus shot glass. Okay, 
let's get into this episode. So the episode starts with <clears throat> Buffy and Riley, 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 fighting a vampire and a demon who are working together, essentially. And um, Buffy's wearing this oversized gray sweater and snakeskin pants. Um, it seems like I could be wrong, but it seems like, um, Sarah Michelle Gellar's stunt double is wearing a different sweater than she's wearing it because on, in the shots, the fighting shots, it looks like a, like it more oversized and it kind of looks like a, a tan sweater, but then whenever you see Sarah Michelle Gellar, the sweater it isn't as terrible, isn't quite as big and is gray. I didn't like pause it and like, I'm just now realizing, oh, that's why it looked weird. I feel like it might've been a different sweater and maybe they just thought that it wouldn't, or maybe it just looks vastly different on her stunt double. Um, I can't remember her name. I know she had one main stunt double, like Sophia something. I can't remember her name. I'm so sorry. So, okay, whatever. And then they get done fighting the vampire slash demon and they decide, you know, that's really weird. Vampires and demons don't usually fight together. We should probably tell Jazz about this, but they're all like hot and heavy for each other. So they decide they're, they're going to tell Giles in the morning. So they do it. And, <laughs> oh, I just, first of all, I'm happy for Buffy. This is like this period right now is the not like this episode, but just this general time period for her when she's still in the beginning of her relationship with Riley is the only time we will ever see her have a healthy romantic and sexual relationship. Like she gets to like, she, she is portrayed as like being not hyper-sexualized necessarily, but she definitely has more energy and stamina and sex drive than like, I think she's portrayed as having more sex drive than like the average person. Um, so it makes, it's cool that in this moment she gets to have, she gets to have sex without like all of the crazy ass consequences that she has she's had to deal with up until now with Angel and then with Parker. And now she gets to have a healthy sex life and I'm happy for her. Um, obviously this episode is not a healthy sex life example, but I just, I just like that she, I don't know. I like to soak up the moments every once in a while, even though I'm not really a huge fan of Riley and it's mostly it's mostly the actor and I'm sure he's, again, like I've said many times, I'm sure Mark Lucas is a much better actor now, but this is like either it was his first role or it was one of his very first roles. I just don't think he really has it or else he and Sarah Michelle Gellar just did not have good chemistry because it's like, it's just painful <laughs> to watch them like, having googly eyes towards each other and rolling around in the sheets together. It's just like, 
Anya and Spike in this episode have more chemistry together than Buffy and Riley. So it's just sad. Anyway, okay, getting ahead of myself here. Uh Um, They do like a long, there's like a long tracking shot of the frat house. And after they have sex, like Riley gets up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom or something. And it's, there's like this long tracking shot. And my note was that it doesn't look like a frat house. Like it's the same house, but like just this long tracking shot gave me enough time to like look at the decor and everything. And it was really neat and tidy. Like they must have a housekeeper because like everything was perfectly dusted and shiny and like things were centered on tables. There weren't beer bottles everywhere. Like usually whoever does like set design on Buffy is really, really good at like, they're really good at making a person's house look like their personality. Like Giles's place is perfectly Giles's place, you know? Tara's room is perfectly Tara's room, you know, like most of the, those things. And Riley's bedroom looks like a teenage boy's bedroom. You know, it really does. But the frat house in general, I'm just a little bit like, what? Like, I guess because this particular fraternity is kind of a front for an underground military operation, I guess I can kind of like convince myself that this makes sense in that context like it would be obsessively neat if it's a bunch of military dudes but they're not really they're actually college students aren't they i mean riley definitely is but they haven't shown them in class in a while (laughs) like at this point i don't know if we'll ever see buffy in class ever again i guess stay tuned we'll see (laughs) um okay what's my next note so Riley gets up in the middle of the night and it's just kind of like a spooky, like, like they're definitely like letting you know that something spooky is going on. Like maybe he hears something or something, but like nothing actually happens. It's one of those, like, it looks like a scene in a horror movie, like where something bad's going to happen, but nothing actually happens. And then he goes back to bed ostensibly. I don't know. Um, we do have to see him topless, which I'm not into personally, but you know, whatever. <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> okay. What's my next note? Xander in ice ice cream truck fight with Anya. Um, so I really like Xander's ice cream truck. Um, it was mentioned when I watched the the TPN Buffy guide on YouTube, which is a really great um, Buffy guide. I'm thinking about like binge watching all of his Buffy episode guides because they're all like 10 or 15 minutes long for each episode. And because I like to limit myself to binge watching Buffy. Like I I have this rule in my head that I'm allowed to watch any season that isn't the current season that I'm doing for the podcast. Um, But I haven't actually done that yet. So I kind of want to stay since we're, we're straight up over halfway through Buffy right now. Um, So I could make it another three years without like binge watching Buffy. Like, maybe, but I could binge watch the like, um, TPN Buffy guides on YouTube and he uses clips from the show and he edits them together so perfectly. And he is really good. Like he's, he does like a spoiler free 
episode guide so he doesn't actually talk about things that happen in the future of the series but for people that have seen the full series like sometimes he'll be talking about something and he'll throw a tiny little clip in of like someone's face from a future season from a really pivotal moment and you know that like it's just like a little nod to um somebody that does know what it what's about to happen because it, it's always in context with what he's talking about like for example since this isn't a spoiler free podcast in the episode guide for this that he did for this particular episode he had this moment where he called xander dependable um and then we see like a half second shot of anya from the wedding episode of season six when she's talking about like what she's gonna say during her vows and she's all excited and she's got that little face mask on you know that scene um and she, he just shows it for like half a second or like one or two seconds it's just a tiny little second so like somebody that didn't that hadn't seen the full series that would not be a spoiler for them but for those of us that have seen the whole series that is like a little oh that's funny because he just called xander dependable <laughs> it's really great i i love his guide so much um but yeah i'm thinking about like binge watching his buffy guide because it would be a way for me to kind of binge watch the series but not really i don't know silly thing but like and it would be some oh fast way to do it like ooh, let's do the math there's 144 episodes of buffy most of his episodes are like between 10 and 20 minutes long so let's just say that all of his episodes are 15 minutes so 15 times 144 2160 minutes divided by 60 so we can get an hour so it'd be 36 hours of content but i mean you could go through that entire series assuming that he finished it i don't actually know maybe he's still doing it um 36 hours let's say you watch like three hours of that a day it would take you 12 days <laughs> why should i just get out my calculator to do that math apparently i'm avoiding talking about this episode <sighs> i'm starting to sweat because it's actually like getting like humid and hot in my region of the world which is a good news for is good news for like you know virus killing but I don't like humid and hot generally, but I'm going to embrace it this year because it might mean that we actually get to like see each other within six feet. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So Anya and Xander have, I find this extremely unrealistic. Like I get the whole, like Anya is going to overreact to any tiny relationship issue that she thinks that her and Xander have because she's a former vengeance demon that primarily she went after dudes that wrong women so it makes that that part makes sense but what she's upset about in this episode is that they didn't have sex the night before and Xander's like well we've gone other nights without having sex and she's like yeah twice so obviously we're breaking up which like this is a common theme I've noticed on like, especially sitcoms where like, there seems to be like this sort of narrative of like, it was, I'm thinking of Chuck Lorre TV shows in particular, because I'm reminded of Dharma and Greg and Big Bang Theory. Both of them sort of have this narrative of like, 
crazy sex every single night in monogamous relationships, which, you know, it made me feel inadequate when I was younger because I was like, that. I don't think I could ever do that. And I've since discovered that I would probably call myself gray sexual, which if you don't know what that is, it basically just means you have very low, like, sexual drive. Like, I would be good with, like, I don't know, having sex, like, once every three months. That'd be fine with me. Um, but, like, so I just thought, okay, maybe I'm a freak, but, like, that seems, like, excessive. But now that I'm older, I feel like it still seems excessive, right? Like, who is doing it every single night? I mean, I understand that it's probably different with, like, men in relationships with other men because that seems like a different thing. So that might be closer to the reality in that situation. But it seems to me like when you see that kind of narrative in a sitcom or in this case on Buffy or just any other pop culture thing, it's a guy writing from the perspective of like, is that like a toxic masculinity thing? Do guys like, I know guys don't really talk to each other about sex, you know, like they, I really don't think that they do for the most part. I think that like heteronormative dudes talking to other dudes about their lives, they're not going to mention that. They're going to let the other guy think that like, even though he's married, you know, they have sex all the time, but like, it seems like from what I can gather from the conversations I've had with other women, like in heteronormative situations, which is, you know, most of the information that I can gather, <laughs> um, you know, like the frequency of sex between a heteronormative married couple seems to be like, definitely not every night. Okay. Definitely not. So I just find this argument really like, I don't know, it's triggering for me personally, because I'm like, it, it always brings up feelings of like, oh God, should I, should I be doing that? Like, is that, am I not normal? Because I don't have sex every night. Oh God, I couldn't fucking stand it every single night. That's crazy. <laughs> anyway, um, sorry to get like super personal right there, but whatever. So I find that particular, like this, the details of that argument, I find like unrealistic and in you, you know me, I get hung up on the details, but anyway, they have an argument. Like she thinks they're breaking up and he's like, what are you talking about? No, we're not breaking up. Like what is wrong with you? And it's just like, it's a very contrived, I guess it's just a very contrived argument. Like throughout the episode, like Xander and Anya are fighting and it's kind of like they're breaking up because Xander is hitting on someone at the party and Anya, like, I don't know. They have a big fight at the party and then it's like, it's kind of like they're broken up, but really it's just a fight. And I don't know. The whole thing is like, we're supposed to like be nervous about them breaking up or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, this episode is not very good. Like, I don't understand what Xander and Anya fighting has to do with the plot of the relationship. It, I mean, I guess just because it's, their fight is rooted in 
sexuality and that's the theme of the episode but it's just it it doesn't mesh really it's kind of forced in there um okay let's let's get back to notes here da, 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 da. oh uh speaking of triggering during that fight between xander and anya she says i'm young i'm pretty or something like that why didn't you take advantage of me there's a sentence that doesn't age well why didn't you take advantage of me i really hope that that is not language that is still used um i don't think it is like that whole like take advantage of me that whole like narrative being attached to positive portrayals of sexuality like that sounds rapey doesn't it take advantage of me like that phrasing is very antiquated it seems like 20 years later hopefully it really is because it definitely felt like ooh, god ooh, she shouldn't say that you know take advantage of me like what so she's just like essentially complaining because they didn't have sex but we've seen anya initiate like most of the time she's the one that's initiating sexual encounters so why would they be having this argument anyway because if she had wanted to have sex the night before she would have just initiated it you know so and she's not talking about like she's not talking about it in the context of like she tried to come on to him and he rejected her or something like that she's talking about it like why didn't you take advantage of me like that's it's uncharacteristic of Anya it's rapey and I just this whole argument just feels really unbelievable to me I don't know what do you guys think let me know mixtress ray at mixtress radio at gmail <laughs> sorry i have like three email addresses i really shouldn't have so many but it's so complicated to like get rid of one of them you know what i'm saying oh, i tried like i created a new email address and i was like okay this is gonna be the one and i spent like hours one day like changing that email to be in all of the accounts that i have and like and then I just never got rid of the other one and <laughs> whatever. Anyway. Okay. Oh, I just really liked the fact that like Tara isn't doing much in this episode, but she's there. And this is, I think this is the first time that we consistently see her in the background, you know, because the last episode was Superstar. I guess she was involved. She was there consistently during Superstar. But since it was kind of an alternate reality, not really, but it was an alternate reality adjacent type storyline. God, both of the episodes. Both of the, both of the episodes we had to talk about with Buffy this April have been just stinkers. <laughs> okay. I never called something a stinker in my life. <laughs> that just happened first and last time probably okay but i just appreciate the fact that like tara's there she's at the scooby meetings so they're meeting in the morning it's um tara willow buffy giles and riley all sitting around in like the quad or whatever that weird little loungy space that's in like is it in buffy and willow's dorm maybe i don't know it's possibly i don't know where this is supposed to be but you know it's the same like little loungy area that they've showed they've shown over and over 
so um they're they're telling him about how you know vampires and demons they're working together now and they easily put it together like it's probably adam you know adam's probably bridging the gap between the races you know whatever so this is their little moment of like hey adam still exists that's the only one and then we move on um during this conversation it's mentioned it's mentioned several times like the whole fight between anya and xander was like xander was trying to convince anya to go to the party that riley's having at his frat house and in this um scene they also mention that and giles is like who would have a party at a time like this and riley's like well it was my idea the guys have been ragged they need to let off some steam giles is like point taken which is it's just a good little exchange like we have to take our moments of like value where we can get them in this episode children um and then riley just sort of throws out a half-assed like you can come if you want and giles is like no i got i got things to do i'm, I'm gonna be at the espresso pump tonight you know i need some grown-up time you wouldn't be interested <laughs> um let's see there's the scene of like it was cold and the frat house and buffy and riley were doing it in the middle of the night again um I was just gonna have the thought like why are they always at his place why are they never at her oh because she shares a room with willow and riley has his own room of course and they're doing it constantly so they're gonna be at riley's all the time um same reason why willow is always at tara's because tara has her own room so like that that beautiful gigantic dorm room that willow and buffy share it's poor amy <laughs> poor amy the rat She's just alone in her cage in that room all the time. No one's ever there. Oh, poor Amy. Um, whatever. I just barely can even, like, bother reading my notes on this episode. Um, I did I did take the note that Riley has condoms. So they, they do give... I like this. I like this. It was just, like, a tiny little, like, one-second shot of, like riley reaching into like his bedside table opening up the drawer and pulling out a condom and i liked that that like they were showing that like hey guess what all this crazy sex that college kids are having they should be using protection even if they're in a long-term relationship long-term monogamous relationship like i don't know i just me being a child of the 90s where like it was it was a big deal that like there be enough sex education for kids to know to use condoms and like i was taught well in that way and it's 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 just nice to see that it was just this tiny little moment of like yes <laughs> riley and buffy are having a lot of crazy sex but guess what they're protected it's just i don't know i just liked that <laughs> um what else we got here my next note is spike scares people for money so this is like the moment of like why do we have spike here like every single episode in this season is like two questions need to be answered um let's remind us why adam exists that's a stupid scene and remind us that spike exists that's an amazing scene and we love it <laughs> um they're much better at like spike just steals every scene that he's in so he is the reason like james marster's playing spike is the reason that spike is still here um 
and the reason that he will continue to be here because he makes himself useful. He he has that charisma, unique, disturbing talent. You know what I'm saying? Um, so we see Spike. He jumps up in front of Anya because Anya's going to the Bronx, I guess, because she's pissed off at Xander. So she's not going to the party. Everyone else is at the party. And um, he jumps up in front of her and tries to scare her. And she's like, it's not going to work with me. I know you can't hurt me and I'm not giving you my money. So this is how we learn. I like this little detail that like, you know, it is a question of like, how would Spike still be continuing to like keep himself in blood and beers? You know, like he says in the scene and this is how he's been doing it. He jumps up in front of people with his face all bumpy and scares them. But this is kind of an inconsistent moment, too, because we've seen him in the past, like, do something very minor as an aggression against a human, and it causes him the neurological pain. So why would him jumping out all bumpy-faced, scaring a human, not trigger his chip? But whatever. I guess because his intention to harm them is not there because he knows he can't, he's I mean, he's intending to harm them in the way that he's mugging them, essentially. But I do like this detail just because, you know, like, that kind of detail of oversight of, like... It's something that, especially, like, since I'm a fan of vampires in general in pop culture, um, it's something that, like, they don't deal with very often. You know, I think I think vampires are kind of classist in a way because... Most of the people that write vampire fiction are privileged white people for the most part. So a lot of times they just, it just totally doesn't occur to them to mention how a vampire would have money. Like it's always just like, they just happen to have like set up some kind of like trust fund for themselves, like. 300 years ago and they keep going to the same lawyer as the son or daughter of the last person kind of like weird bullshit like I don't know I just it's something that they never really talk about with Angel like how does Angel like he seems like he's a person of means like he has enough money to pay Cordelia and Wesley he has enough and he always has a really nice place. Like, how does he do that? Because he's not evil anymore. He's not killing people anymore. Like, you can explain it in the context of an evil vampire. Because one would just assume that whoever they kill, they're going to take their money after they kill them. And that's how they survive in society. Because just because they're a vampire doesn't mean they don't have to buy things, you know? I don't know. Oh, God. I'm just finding any reason to not talk about this episode. Let's get back to it. Okay, so Spike scares people for money. He, Anya's like, fuck off. And presumably she decides to buy him a beer. Because in the next scene, we see them in the bronze together. Just talking about, like, lamenting the fact that they used to get to kill people. And they're like, oh, I wish I would have appreciated it more, you know? Like it's cute like their connection Buffy or Buffy Anya and Spike connecting in solace 
is I think we only see it one other time and that time ends in sex but it's 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 a good time so you can't throw this episode in the vault like I've just like I said before it's been a long time since I've mentioned the Buffy vault but I have I'm going to allow myself three episodes to go into the vault that I never have to watch again after this particular rewatch. And so far, what's in it is the pack and Ted, I believe. Not Because Ted is not a bad episode, really, but it's just too triggering for me personally. It's just too upsetting. So, but this episode... I wouldn't put in the vault because I mean it's it's not great but it's really not that bad you know it's one that you kind of don't have to pay full attention to like I actually had a moment watching this episode even like with my notebook in my lap and my pen and like ready to take notes I had a moment where I almost reached for my phone to like scroll through Instagram or something which is not something that I do when I'm working on this pot I don't do that I'm like very studious, you know, I sit there with my notebook and I pause like every couple minutes to take notes and like whatever, whatever. I'm, I have my headphones on. I'm like in it, you know, I'm not a distracted person when I'm taking notes for this particular podcast, but I almost picked my phone up to scroll through Instagram just because I was bored. You know, that sort of knee jerk reaction to like, "Eh, I'm not really enjoying whatever I'm watching. I'm just going to fuck around on Instagram for a second. And I was like, what? Oh, God. <laughs> That's bad. Um, Anya and Spike bonding. Oh, I just had to mention. Spike, while, like, they're sitting together on, like, a couch and they're, like, drinking a beer. He is totally vamp-spreading. Like, wow. Like... The amount of space that he is taking up from knee to knee horizontally is ridiculous. And, like, Anya is just sort of, like, sitting there, like, curled up with her with her beer and her legs crossed. And he is just, like, full crotch in the open. You know, like, man-spreading, man, man-spreading. It's a thing. Like, it really is. <laughs> I I wonder what that what that's like, you know, just psychologically. Like I cannot imagine. Like he looked like he was like basically doing the splits. There was fully like two and a half feet between his knees, minimum. Like how is that comfortable? Like it has to be like some sort of toxic masculinity posturing thing. Like you have to intentionally sit like that, don't you? Like. How is that natural? I don't understand how that's natural. <laughs> anyway, James Marster is totally manspreading. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, God. And then there's the guy, the guy that was, he was in Beer Bad. He was one of those guys, one of those, like, cave guys. <laughs> cave boys. So we're at the party. And he's, like, flirting with this chick that's got the full, like, shoulders tied, or sweater tied around the shoulders thing, which just always, I don't know. That's very triggering. Like, who does that? Who has ever, in real life, worn a sweater tied over their shoulders? Have you ever seen it in real life? 
I definitely have it, but I've seen it on TV so many times. Anyway, so he's talking to her about the inherent sensuality of language, which I guess is in character. Like, we don't even know this guy's name, I don't think. But, like, he's constantly just, like, mansplaining shit to chicks. Like, that's what he did in Beer Bad. That's what he's doing at this party in this episode. And then we have the orgasm wall. Like, this certain spot in the wall, people touch it and they have an orgasm whatever um and then xander starts flirting with some chick like later we see him talking to anya like look we just had a fight we're not breaking up like whatever but he's still flirting with this chick like he literally says to her she's like who are you here with you know they're having like cute little banter or whatever and he's like well right now i seem to be here with you most of the time, like, I really like the way that Xander, like, talks to women in a flirtatious way. Like, he usually, like, makes a joke. He doesn't, like, immediately go for the whole you're beautiful bullshit. Like, it's very basic, but since he doesn't immediately go for the, for the straight up line or, like, you're beautiful, will you go out with me? Like, in real life, like... I don't know if any other people have this experience, but for me personally, I have only one time in my entire adult life have I ever, like, run into a random human, okay, twice, twice, run into a random human that ended up, like, being interested in me and asked me out that it hasn't been just immediately do you have a boyfriend do you want to go out with me you're beautiful like it's literally like that immediately <laughs> 99 times out of 100 there was this one time at the library that that a guy just like sort of like he had a few conversations with me. I was signing him up for a library card. And later, like, when he was leaving, he, he passed me, like, a little note saying, like, you seem really cool. This is my number. It was classy. It was not sleazy at all. That was the one time I've ever been hit on by a dude that it wasn't sleazy. There was another time that I was hit on by um, a woman at a bar that was not sleazy, but you know, it was because she was a woman. <laughs> she, she had subtleties. <laughs> she treated me like a human being. <laughs> and so I'm always like appreciative of the way that Xander flirts with women, not in this context, because he shouldn't be flirting with someone. If, if, as he states, they just had a fight, no big deal. If that's his narrative, then he shouldn't be trying to pick someone else up at a party. But still, he's classy about it. He treats her with respect. He knows her name later. Um, whatever. Um, there's a moment with Willow and Tara on the stairs. Like, Willow kind of reaches over. Like, they're talking about, like, Tara wants to take Willow horseback riding sometime. And Willow's, like, scared of horses. And they're just having this cute little conversation on the stairs. Um, and at one point Willow reaches over and puts her hand on Tara's knee and Tara reacts like, like repels. And she's like, oh, that's disgusting. Why did you do that? Or something like that. And then you quickly realize that like, she's under the influence of something because she's like, I don't know what, why I just did that or something, you know? 
So there's that little moment. Um, this is probably, I mean, besides the little moments between the two of them, obviously having, you know, the, the orgasm spell that they had a couple episodes ago, but also that moment where Tara says to Willow, I'm yours. Um, but besides those two moments, we really haven't, you know, we've seen Tara, like Tara's there, Tara's with Willow and she's there at like Scooby meetings and stuff, but there hasn't been any talk of like them being in a relationship. There hasn't been anything that out in the open. So this little moment of Willow putting her hand on Tara's knee is like the most flirtatious we've seen them in any context outside of like a magic context. So, I mean, that, that was a big moment before like Tara freaked out. Which, you know, she, it was, you know, it was the poltergasm geist, geist, poltergeist gasm, poltergasm ghosts, whatever. Um, Anya brings Spike to the frat party for some weird reason and nobody cares. Like at first he's all like, what? Why did you bring me here? Um, and he just decides to stay because why not? He's like, let me go find the liquor. Like, which just makes sense. It's, a, it's it's an excuse for Spike to be here. We're only going to need, I wonder how many more episodes. I think it is in season five that he realizes that he's in love with Buffy. Sanctuary. Oh, wait. New Moon. I'm looking at the like list of episodes that are coming up. So, yeah, that definitely doesn't happen. We only have four episodes left of this season and we're in like the home stretch now like we'll have an episode of Buffy to talk about every week until the first week we won't have one to talk about talk about is May 30th and then I'm just looking ahead of my calendar and then we'll have the summer off June July August and most of September that's that sounds sad (laughs) um yeah, that sounds sad. Of course, let's not talk about it yet because, God, why am I so distracted? Okay. Let's get through this episode, guys. Let's just get through it. It's the second tea light candle since the beginning of this recording that I've had to light, to like replace and light. Fucking tea light candles, guys. So many really cool, like crystal, salt, lamp, you know, so many things that you need to have a tea light candle in that particular candle holder. But tea light candles suck. Okay, I'm almost done with my LaCroix, so let's let's get through this. <laughs> I can't believe I've been talking for 50 minutes. Okay. Orgasm wall. Anya brings Spike to the party. Let's just go through the notes and make little comments. Bottle spinning on carpet sounds like concrete. That was just a little detail. Like, it looks like it's super low pile carpet, but the sound effect is like a bottle spinning on concrete that just bothered me (laughs) usually buffy's pretty good with the sound effects like it usually when i have my headphones on um it's a beautiful nuanced sound experience but not so much with that particular moment um it's just all kinds of crazy shit happens like orgasm wall Julie jumps on Xander and just like starts assaulting him. Um, 
yeah, there's just all kinds of shit. And then she goes, then she freaks out in shame and starts cutting her hair in the bathroom, chanting, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad, you know, all that shit. Um, at one point, like, Willow goes to the bathroom and it's that whole horror trope, like, like she bends over at the sink and she's like washing her face or something. And you think she's going to like, when she stands up, there's going to be something in the mirror or something coming out of the faucet or something. So it's a nice misdirect that neither of those things happen. But the thing that horrified me was that she picks up a like face towel, hand towel in a frat guy's bathroom. She had just like kind of like rinsed her mouth out with water or whatever. And then she wipes her mouth on the frat boy towel. I got an instant hit of exactly what that towel smelled like. (laughs) You know, that sort of musty old towel, like frat boys aren't washing their towels. I promise you they're not. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting delirious. Okay. Um, What's next here? Vines start growing on the door. Like, every, like, Willow and Xander sort of simultaneously realize that some shit's going on. Because Willow sees, like, a ghost in the tub when she's in the bathroom. And Xander, like whatever. So they find each other and they're like, this is weird. Something's wrong. And Tara shows up and she's like, yeah, I, I'm fine, but we need to get out of this house. You know, cause Tara, she's a really smart witch. Okay. Listen to Tara, get the fuck out that house, back out that house. But so they're like, okay, let's go get Buffy. We need Buffy. The house starts shaking, like, spikes into it for some reason um and then he gets like strapped to the chair that he's in which looks like a barber chair or like a dentist chair or something weird like that he gets like strapped with like leather straps just show up out of nowhere and cover his mouth and like strap him to the chair um and they decide they need to go get buffy so they go upstairs because they know like all this like they've been having sex like bunnies lately and so they, they know that they're upstairs having sex. <laughs> and so they go to Riley's room and try to knock on the door and they're not answering. And then there's this really great shot showing Buffy and Riley. They can't like hear anything from outside of their bed. They're like sex miasma. <laughs> they can't hear anything outside the sex miasma. But, um, it starts doing like this aerial shot and like going slowly away and away and away. And the bed keeps getting smaller and smaller. And that's an, that's a nice shot. And it's, it does encapsulate the sort of feeling of being in your own universe. And like, there's nothing outside these walls. Like they're completely in their own universe right now. Um, The only thing that's sad, okay, so, like, in my mind, before this episode started, I kept thinking of that Delirium song that was played in, I don't remember which episode, but, like, one of the first times you saw kind of that scene of Buffy and Riley, like, fighting together, and then they have sex afterwards, and there was a Delirium song that they played during, like, that first sex montage between Riley and Buffy, and I kept thinking of that song. That's... I mean, they really missed an opportunity to have, like, a nice song cue. They could have even gone back to anything in Delirium's 
discography. Like, it's all sexy times, trip-hop music. They could have put some of that in there. I, I, I was remembering that, and then there was no music. Like, all of the sex scenes between Riley and Buffy in this episode were just the two of them just, like, moaning and rolling around in sheets. And that's it. Like, they could have had some good music cues. Because the best music is sexy music, you know? Okay, anyway. Where are we? So vines start growing over the door when they're trying to, like, knock on the door and they're trying to get in or whatever. And Buffy and Riley aren't answering. And everybody just, like, leaves the house because there's, like, a, an earthquake happening or whatever. Um, Xander has to save Julie because she comes out of the bathroom and she's got a terrible bald cap on. She's got patchy hair. Poor thing. She had beautiful curly red hair before, but she was like, you know, doing the whole hacking it off in the mirror thing. Um, so he saves her and she just sort of like screams and runs off and like, apparently we're not worried about Julie anymore. Whatever. Um, da, 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 Julie is bald. Spike talks himself out of heroics. So Spike's exit in the scene, like they're all outside and Xander's like, I don't care. I'm going to go back in there. We need to save Buffy and Riley. Like, I'm not coming out of there until I get my friends. And Xander's, or Spike's like, at first he's like, I'll go in there with you. And then he's like, I don't like you guys very much. And I'm not really one for heroics. And Buffy's tried to kill me a bunch of times. But you know what? Actually, that sounds pretty convincing. I'm out. And then he just walks off. So, just Spike. You know, at this point in the narrative, I'm 100% in for Spike. I'm in for all of his shenanigans. And most of the time, I'm in for his shenanigans. Until we get to season six. And he becomes... We'll talk about it. Okay, let's not get distracted again. <laughs> the list of things that I could talk about other than this fucking episode. Okay. Let's keep going. Okay. Giles singing. Okay, this is the scene. This is the scene that, like, if we were going to throw away this entire episode, like, there are a couple of good moments here and there, but this is the scene. Like, you have to watch this episode because of the extended Anthony Stewart head singing. I think it's, like, fucking Freebird. Like, he makes that song sound beautiful. And I really love the, the way they set up the scene. So, like, they decide they need to find Giles. And they knew he was at the espresso pump and that he wanted to have some grown-up time tonight. But they need to find him. So they go there. And it's Anya, Xander, Willow, and Tara. And they're just standing there, like, watching him sing. And, of course, and I mean, if you guys don't know, Anthony Stewart Head is a singer. He puts out albums as... I think he goes by Anthony Head most of the time. But he's singing and it's beautiful and mournful and like, ugh. It's a moment. Like, I feel like everybody in the room shuts up. No matter, like, what context you're in. If you've ever watched this episode with other people, I feel like when this scene comes on, people are, like, putting down their phones. They're, like shutting up if they were in the middle of a conversation and they're watching this happen like that whole reaction of like 
Willow kind of admits, oh yeah, I, this is why I had a crush on him. I knew I had a crush on him for a reason. <laughs> um, sexy Giles moment. Like, we don't get that very often. So, soak it in. Soak it in, sexy Giles moment. This is the best moment of this whole entire episode. Okay. Um, then they, like, do some research. They find out that before it was a frat house, it was kind of like an orphanage. And they go find the lady that was the, that ran the orf orphanage because she's still alive. Um, I did some math. Like, if she's 75 now, which she kind of looks a little older than 75, but let's just say she's 75. The orphanage was um, headed by her from 1949 to 1960. So if she's 75 now, and now being the year 2000, which was 20 years ago, then she would have been like between the ages of 25-ish and 35. She would have been running the orphanage. So that makes sense. It pans out. Because at first I was like, what? Like, how is she still alive? Because <laughs> 1960 was only 40 years before the year 2000. You know? Okay. I'm out of my LaCroix, you guys. <laughs> I have no more beverage. <laughs> okay. So the quote of the episode is not really a quote. It's just three words that Xander says when they, okay, okay, wait, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Okay. So they go talk to the old lady and they find out that she was super religious and she punished the kids when they were quote dirty. So she would like baptize them by holding them underwater in the bathtub, which is why they kept seeing someone drowning in the frat boy bathroom. She would cut off their hair if they were like looking at themselves too much in the mirror, like mostly the women and you know, whatever. We find out that she's the reason for all of that shit. And I really like, okay, let's go ahead and jump forward to ratings of the episode, which is MVP in this episode is Giles, not only because of the singing moment that we just talked about, but also because in this moment where they're in the home of like a 75 year old lady and they're talking to her about her experience running an orphanage 40 fucking years ago, and she basically confesses to all the things that she did to them, he confronts her immediately and he does that thing very consistently when he's extremely upset and he just like looks off to the side and takes his glasses off and then he stands up and you know he's about to lay into you he does it he does it to her like just because she's an old lady he doesn't hold back i love it i love it he stands up and he's just like she says something like you would pass judgment on me and he's like well someone ought to you traumatized and abused these, those children. And like, he goes on and like, he, you know, holds her fucking accountable. Giles, watcher, king of swords. If you want to make a tarot reference, he is my king of swords. If I ever make a tarot deck, it is Giles all the way. <laughs> um, anyway, that was a good moment. So he's MVP of this episode. But the quote of the episode, so let's get into that, because they're in the hallway after they leave the 
old lady's apartment. I guess it's an apartment because they're in like a hallway afterwards. And um, it's Anya, Xander, and Giles. And um, so they walk out and they're like processing the situation. And um, Xander says something like, Giles is like, I don't think this is ghosts. This is like, because none of the kids actually died. They were just traumatized. So he's like, I think it's like a poltergeist energy. And um, Xander says, big burst in poltergasm. So that's the quote of the episode, even though it's not a full quote. It's just three words, but big burst in poltergasm. Um, because basically they've decided that because... Riley and Buffy have been having a ton of sex lately in this space. It has sort of like reignited all of these feelings of rep repressed sexuality that are associated with this particular place. So, okay. Like, I'll buy that. Like, on the whole, if you're talking about the overall premise of this episode as like, the fact that Buffy is about, like, Buffy is on its face b-movie horror slash that b-movie horror that corresponds metaphorically to real life like adolescence growing up developing prefrontal cortexes you know that whole thing in that context okay do you hear that like motorcycles or some shit in the background. You're cute. Sure. Um, <laughs> in the context of just like talking about like the premise of this episode, the plot of this episode, it makes sense. But it was not, it was not executed well. It just was not. I don't know. It just wasn't that enjoyable. It was okay. It was fine. It was fine. Okay, let's move on. Uh, I feel so babbly today. Okay. Oh, my next note is Giles, Tara, and Willow Coven. I really just kind of enjoyed the moment of, so we're in Willow and Buffy's dorm room and um, Willow's just like gets out three pillar candles of varying heights and arranges them perfectly, seemingly haphazardly, but perfectly in the center of a little table. And so it's Tara and Willow and Giles and Xander and Anya have decided to go back to the frat house and like wait for the spell to take hold and Willow, Tara and Giles are doing the spell. So they're like holding hands around this tiny little table in Willow and Buffy's dorm room with three beautiful white pillar candles in the middle of a table and Tara's running the spell because she's the real witch here. Don't you fucking forget it. Tara's the real witch here. And she's she's running the spell. And Giles and Willow are just like, okay, whatever you say. They just automatically, like, respect her authority. Her witch authority. And I love that. Like, that's the, that's the other biggest, best moment in the episode. Like, nobody even questions the fact that Tara knows what the fuck she's doing in the witch department. And she's just going to take charge right now. Like Tara's so shy and meek in every other aspect of everything. But when it comes to witch, she's the fucking sorceress and you do what she says. 
Tara's the high priestess, okay? <laughs> um, okay. What's my next note? Um, okay, my next note is the very fucking last scene. So they do this little spell and all the, like, children show up. And it doesn't really work, but Xander and Anya are, like, cutting down the vines, trying to get up the stairs. Because, like... Riley's room is like at the top of the stairs and his room is the only room up there. I don't know. It's a weird situation, but like they're, so they're walking up the stairs and they're cutting down the vines and the vines are cutting through like Anya's hand and like all kinds of crazy, like Prince Charming going through the rose bushes and Sleeping Beauty bullshit. And then they get to the top of the stairs and they're trying to get the door open. They're trying to get the door open. The whole spell has kind of gone awry back at Willow and Buffy's dorm room. So they think that it's gone bad or whatever. And it has, I guess. But then Xander and Anya get through the door. They open the door. And then Buffy and Riley are, Buffy's like, what? You don't knock? You know, this whole time there's in a world of like ecstasy induced hyper sex and it's interesting because like basically they describe it as like when they left the old lady's house they were like okay here's what probably happened like Giles figures it out he's like most likely like because Riley and Buffy have been having all this sex lately they've kind of reignited all these repressed all this repressed sexuality that was inherent in the house because of this orphanage trauma that happened 40 years ago and because this has now been ignited they're like the battery fueling the whole poltergasm thing and if they stop having sex then they will die so they're trying to like do the spell or whatever and I don't know. I guess it just doesn't, if you think too hard about it, it doesn't make any sense. So somehow Xander gets the door open and it breaks the spell because Buffy and Riley see someone other than themselves or something. I don't know. I don't want to think about it anymore, you guys. <laughs> I feel like I kind of have something to say about this whole thing. Like the only reason why they were able to keep the battery of the poltergasm going for so long is because because like later we'll find out that Riley has been enhanced in some way so he's kind of superhuman at this point and Buffy's already superhuman so if they hadn't had that kind of like superhuman stamina they might have died during this process but of course they just kept fucking and fucking and fucking and <laughs> And then Xander interrupts, Xander and Anya interrupt, and they're like, what? Oh, God. Okay, I'm just, like, exasperated. I'm just like, this episode, I want it out of my life. <laughs> and yet, the next time I watch Buffy all the way through, you're like, I'll watch this episode, and it'll just be a blip in the binge of watching Buffy. You know? But because I have to like talk about it ad nauseum right now. It's just like, it's too much. I don't want to pay attention to this episode this much. Okay. Okay. So the very last scene, so that's okay. So they get the door open and, and Buffy's like, what, why don't you knock? And then the next day you see them in the cafeteria 
talking is Xander there why would he be there is he there I don't I can't remember who the fuck was there but it was at least Willow Buffy Riley and Tara probably I don't know I don't fucking know who was there at the last scene who cares so they're sitting there and they're just sort of like processing it and and Buffy mostly is processing it she's like that's so weird it's so weird that this was happening yeah Xander was there it's so weird that this was happening and I didn't know and they're kind of like they're making a joke that like they're actually talking about Giles and the fact that he sings or whatever who cares um but my last note is Buffy saying if Riley and I hadn't gotten so wrapped up in each other, none of this would have happened. And then Anya says, true, feel shame. <laughs> I love it. I love it. True, feel shame. And of course, Xander shames her for saying that. But come on. <laughs> it really was their fault. Like, true, feel shame. Yes. Um. Yep, that's it. That's the end of my notes. Um, let's get into the ratings of the episode, I guess. So I kind of like poltergasm is the quote of the episode. I don't know why I fill this in as if I'm going to ever refer back to this information. MVP is, of course, Giles because he has a beautiful singing voice. He is wearing an earring. Probably just starting with the scene... I would be curious to, I'm going to try to pay attention going forward to see if he's wearing that earring again, but he's just wearing like this tiny little hoop earring in his left ear and you see it for the first time in the scene where he's singing in espresso pump and you see it throughout the rest of the episodes. It's not like he took it off whenever he started like helping save the day and all that shit. Um, but I would be curious to see like when we see it again in the future, what is the context? So pay attention to whether or not Giles is wearing an earring from now on, because if you don't, if I don't notice, then maybe you will and you can let me know. Okay. You know? Okay. Outfit of the episode. Oh God. I don't think there is one. I was very distracted by how terrible Anya's outfit is throughout the episode because she's wearing like the day of the party, like the biggest chunk of the episode. She's wearing this like cardigan and sweater situation do you remember when fashion was i just i cannot abide by the whole like something that has a pattern and it's like a shirt and then there's a cardigan over it and maybe it's attached it's probably attached probably one piece but it's meant to look like it's two pieces but it's the same exact fucking fabric and pattern throughout so she's wearing like a cardigan over a shirt and it's all the same pattern. And I just, I can't, I can't with that. That is, that is a fashion faux pas in my opinion. <laughs> um, I did like Buffy snakeskin pants in the very first scene. Um, at one point Tara was wearing a green tie-dyed shirt with some like army pants and a belt and some boots and it wasn't terrible but it wasn't great like nobody had good fashion in this episode like no no 
there's the whole like sweater tied over the shoulder situation going on with a bunch of the people in the party. No, no one gets outfit of the episode. It's not applicable. That's what I'm writing down. Object of the episode. I mean, if I was going to be snarky, I'd say orgasm wall, but I don't actually want that. Um, what do I want from this episode? Object of the episode. I can't think of anything. I really can't. So maybe also not applicable. Um, the tub. No, let's say the tub. The tub in the frat house was like an actual like claw-footed tub like it is in every piece of pop culture. <laughs> they always get claw-footed tubs and I never do. 5x5 five five ratings. As far as enjoyability of the episode, like I said, I don't love this episode. It's not that great. Um, okay, but the first, the first score is treatment of women in this episode. This episode barely passes the Bechdel test. Like, the only reason that it does is because Willow and Tara are talking to each other about horseback riding. I think that's really the only moment that it happens. Because every other conversation this episode is between various combinations of a man and a woman. Um, I guess technically Anya does also talk to the old lady for a second. Um, and she is named. So it, it only, pa it doesn't pass the Bechdel test with Buffy like at all. Like Buffy just doesn't talk to anyone other than Riley. Well, Willow talks to Buffy about borrowing a sweater from her at the party when Buffy isn't paying attention because she's making googly eyes at Riley from across the room. Anyway, like treatment of women in this episode isn't great. I don't think they're portrayed accurately. Like in general, I don't think treatment of women in this episode is not great. Let's give it a two. It's not egregiously terrible, but it's not great. As far as enjoyability of the episode, again, let's give it a two. It's not the worst, but it's not good either. So this episode gets a four as far as five by five ratings. There you go. That's it. I will see you guys next week where we're going to talk about hopefully a much better episode. What are we talking about next week? Oh, New Moon Rising. So New Moon Rising is the one where Oz comes back because he's been on his little journey of self and he's ready to reconcile with Willow, but Willow has moved on. So we get, we get a literal confrontation of like, yes, finally confirmation that Willow and Tara are in a relationship. We get that moment in the next episode. So that's going to be a good one to talk about. Um, that's going to be good. Yeah. It was kind of nice though, to talk tonight since the last couple the last week was, you know, a heavy episode to talk about the two-parter that involved Faith and all the crying that I did and all the work that I did for that episode. So it was kind of nice to, like, tonight just sit down, take a shot of whiskey with you guys, and talk about an episode that isn't that great. So thank you for indulging me on that. Um, I still talked plenty long enough. Um, you guys are the best. I hope that you're doing well. I will see you next week where we will talk about a much better episode. 
and um, email me if you have anything that you want to talk about, that you want me to discuss on the show or um, any of that stuff. So I will see you then. Bye.